Hey, everybody, and welcome back to the show. Jessica Stevens here, your host of I Just Blank Now What, the podcast. Thank you, thank you, thank you for joining me today for another amazing Now What Wednesday. Oh, we got a good episode today for you, my friends. Well, I know I say that every single week, but this one was especially awesome because my guest, her name is Jessica. And you know, I love to connect with other amazing Jessicas out there in the world. So today we had a really, really fun conversation. So today, uh, Jessica is going to be coming on and talking about being diagnosed with ADHD and what that meant for her son, as well as herself as an adult. So this is actually, you know, becoming quite common. I actually have many, many people in my personal circle who recently have been diagnosed as an adult, and it has had major, major changes in their life and how they function and how they view themselves and the world and all of that stuff. So I know this conversation and this topic is definitely going to be coming back on the show again in the future because there's so many people who want to be sharing their experience with ADHD. Okay, so let's get to know Jessica. She is an executive creative music producer and supervisor and the founder of JEM Music Strategy and Production in 2021, a full-service music agency specializing in branded entertainment and advertising. A former singer-songwriter signed to Warner at Chappelle, Jessica has worked in all facets of the music industry during her 20-plus year career. Growing up in LA, her formative years were spent going to shows on the Sunset Strip. Her father, Warren Entner, was a top manager for rock bands including Rage Against the Machine, Faith No More, Deftones, Quiet Riot, etc. Her education in the music industry was hands-on from day one. As a woman entrepreneur, a mom, and an ADHD advocate, Jessica has navigated her success from entry level to business owner while also trying to understand how her neurodivergence can be a superpower. Her strong belief in equality in the music industry, especially for women and people of color, is a core value and a company mission. So uh, without further ado, let's get to the now what. Have you ever had a situation happen in your life that you weren't expecting, good or bad, and said to yourself or out loud, oh my gosh, I just fill in the blank. Now what? Me too, friend. Me too. I've had quite a few actually, and in the moment, I never knew what I was going to do next. Of course, I had to figure it out, sometimes the hard way, but I did figure it out. So join me and some amazing guests this season as we all share our own I just blank now what stories so we can all learn from their transformational lessons to help us all answer that lifelong and often paralyzing question, now what? Hey friends, are you having a I just feel sluggish now what moment? Me too. And when I'm feeling a little low and need to pick me up, I turn to the Arbonne 30 Days to Healthy Living program to help me reset. It's not a diet, it's a lifestyle. The 30 Days to Healthy Living acts as a reset in establishing healthy habits so you can get more energy and feel fit with clean vegan nutrition. Arbonne's mission is to empower people to flourish with sustainable, healthy living. So the 30 Days to Healthy Living set and program are specifically designed to do just that. It helps you identify foods that might not be serving your body well, while you focus on adding nutrient-dense, plant-based whole foods into your daily routine, creating sustainable habits for a healthy lifestyle that lasts. So if you want to get started on your path to healthy living with our number one nutrition set featuring nine plant-powered products that make healthy living easy, head over to jessicastevenstoronto.arbon.com and click on the Healthy Living tab and check out the program. Join me each month as I help dozens of people feel fit and their best with this amazing program. It's definitely not a diet, it's a lifestyle, and if you want to live well and feel fit, join us on the next 30 Days to Healthy Living. So head over to jessicastevenstoronto.arbon.com, check out that Healthy Living tab, and let's help you go from feeling sluggish to feeling great. Well, hello, hello, Jessica. Hi, how are you? I'm doing really well. Thank you so much for joining me on the show today. We're going to have a fun conversation and I'm really excited because this is a topic that I've wanted to have on the show for quite a while because I personally know many people in my life 
who, like you, were diagnosed with ADHD later on in life. And it was like a life-changing thing for them, which I believe it was for you as well. Yes. So we're going to get into that story. But before I do, obviously, I just read your bio to everybody, but I always love guests to share in their own words, something about themselves that they want the audience to know about them. Like, is there something that you're like, I just want people to know this about me? I'm weird. (laughs) (laughs) And now I know why. No, I'm, I, there's, there's, I talk a lot. I think I'm funny. I've done stand up. I was a musician. I grew up in LA. So these are like things that, you know, just to get a sense of who I am. Yeah. Very much. I'm a creative mind. I'm all over the place. I can't sit still. And I speak in tangents. Follow along if you can. Hence the ADHD. So yeah, we're going to talk about how, like, you know, a little bit about the background what life was like for you as you, you know, talk about tangents and then what kind of led you to like decide, okay, I need to go and see, do I have ADHD? Because, right, right. And how that all kind of happened and what happened after, you know, it was confirmed for you. So take us back a little bit about your personality and how you kind of lived in the world. So I think. I'm just going to like get into it, right? We'll just go right deep dive into it. Um, You know, I think like a lot of people who are kind of on this discovery later in life, it, it, it tends to coincide with a child being diagnosed, right? Mm. So we were struggling. My son was struggling. We had him evaluated at school for an IEP and without getting into all the gory details, because it was a very rough year. And this was pre-COVID. It was actually the school year that ended up getting a men, you know, abridged because of COVID. So my son was in first grade. There was a lot of like impulse control issues, behavior stuff, some school stuff that was having, you know, kept coming up. And so we were very lucky. We had a wonderful principal who was able to push the IEP through, which I know for a lot of parents is a real struggle. Like in- What does that stand for? For those so I pay. Oh, I forget that you're Canadian. Sorry. <laughs> it's an independent education plan. So in the States, it is, you know, you can get an independent education plan if your child is, you know, assessed and it either falls under a 504 plan, which is kind of like there's accommodations made, but like there's no actual, you know, there's never a diagnosis, but that there's one that's a that's one set of it. Or it goes down in like a learning disability, other health impairment, and then you're qualified for a full IEP, which just basically allows accommodation, special education, those types of things. Okay. So I'm sure we have a version of that here. Absolutely. 100%, Probably just yeah. called different things. Cool. Exactly. So that's what it is. And so mm-hmm. when my son was assessed, the psychologist, because it's done by a psychologist in school, they, they can't affirmatively say anything, but basically it was like... He's lovely. He's so charming. Can't sit still, can't focus for very long, but will tell me anything pretty much, you know, almost positive. He has ADHD, you know? So of course, once that opened, we started to really see like what was going on. And I started examining everything and I started reading a lot, you know, in the DSM five, there is a description of what ADHD is and what the symptoms are. And as we were like, kind of going through this with my son, I think there's 21 symptoms that are recognized. And there's of course, tons of more symptoms that come with it, but there were 10, 21, like specific symptoms. And as we're sitting there marking them off for my child, I'm also marking them off for myself going, oh yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Huh? That's, oh, yep. I do. Oh boy. And then I start reading about ADHD and how it presents in women and girls. And I sat on the couch for like five hours, just crying. Like my whole childhood looked different. My whole sense of self was completely flipped on its side. And it was really hard. I mean, this is now during the pandemic. I was 44. Go out there and tell you how old I am, but I was 44. And um, and I just was like, had I known this in the 80s, my whole life might have looked different, you know, good or bad. It just was all of a sudden like this awareness and this discovery where it was this huge weight lifted off of me, but also like, fuck, you know, like just like, what? Like this explains so much about my path in school, why I did certain things over other things, the way I relate to people. So, you know, of course, once you start deep diving, one of one of the wonderful things about ADHD is you can get really hyper-focused on things. So 
this might be one of my new favorite topics to discuss, but also I started researching. I went in it and really what I found is, as we know, most of us that were born before 1995, we were not really diagnosed. And if so, it was usually boys. And it was usually very much stressed on the hyperactivity of it. What I came to learn is the attention and the hyperactivity part of ADHD is, is literally the least of my concern, right? I mean, I have both. I can't sit still. Like I'm twitchy, you know, shiny new object. You know, I'm very much like that as is my son, you know, when I'm having conversations, lots of tabs are always open. You know, people have to kind of follow along and go, Hey, can you go back to that? I I wasn't quite sure when that conversation was finished, but what was really apparent was the impulsivity, impulse control issues, emotional dysregulation, you know, rejection, sensitivity disorder, all of these things that really, you know, weigh on you as, as a child and as an adult that can make you feel Imposter syndrome is a huge component for most people, but specifically people that are already insecure about who they are as a person. Like, you know, I ruminate on things. If I do something wrong, I'll say something in a conversation and go, oh my God, and apologize 50 times for it. Like these, these weird little traits that I've always just kind of attached to my personality. And the more that I, you know, went down this rabbit hole and started kind of on Instagram, started following other people with ADHD. And I created a whole account because I was following so many people that I was like, this is changing my algorithm. Let's just start a new account. So I started following all these different people who I saw myself in every single one of them. And it was this kind of, it really is like that community thing where you go, oh my gosh, like this is real. This isn't just me. Like I'm not a weirdo. I'm, I mean, I am, but like I'm going to embrace my weirdness because there's but now that I love that I'm a weirdo because there's other weirdos really? like me, you know, they're exactly. And it's little things like there are days where I'm hyper-focused and I get so much work done. And then there are days where I literally can't sit still and I just, you know, I'll do laundry and I'm bouncing about, or I call them the beep boops because me and my son get them where like we dance and sing to say everything or like, it's just a weird little hyperactivity things. We do a lot of like, you know, movement. And like when I'm standing, I kind of swing my legs. My husband's like, what are you doing? Acrobats and acrobatics. And I'm like, yep. And this is just, this is just how I've always been. But now I know what the root of it is. And if I do say so myself, I've always been quite bright, but I was also that person that was constantly like admonished for not doing schoolwork or I ditched a lot in high school. I graduated with a 1.9 GPA. I, yeah, yeah, there you go. But I'm very well read, very well spoken, but like didn't show up for myself because I really didn't know how I didn't know how I was struggling. And what I realized just by raising my son and, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of that, that kind of meshes together for me. There is an amount of awareness that I feel like I'm raising, like reparenting myself. You know, I'm very, I talk to him about all of this and emotional intelligence, because a lot of the stuff that I have found with ADHD, aside from the executive functioning aspect of it, that which is, you know, can be debilitating because like sometimes it's really hard for me to start a project because it looks so big, mm-hmm. you know, and I had no idea that like, what is it? I shouldn't say normal because I hate that word, but like neurotypical people don't have 50,000 thoughts coming at them in their head at the same time, or they can look at a project and start and like check things off their list. I can't, it's like a word jumble in there, you know? And so it's loud and I've discussed it with other people that have ADHD and it's, it's so crazy. The similarities that we all have when you actually get down to brass tacks and you're like, oh, it's loud. I have a hard time concentrating. I don't know where to start. I get distracted easily. I get overwhelmed. A lot of the stuff is comorbid, which means that there's a lot of existing, what's the word I'm looking for? And this happens too, where I'm like on a train of thought and I'm like, what's that word? You know, there's like comorbid, you know what comorbid is, right? Can you? That's not a term I've ever heard before. Oh, okay. So let me describe it because that's good. It's basically when you have something, an affliction, but like there's other things that it looks like. So like 
if you have ADHD, you possibly most likely have high anxiety and a feeling of overwhelm and depression. So like you can have ADHD and high anxiety and depression. So it's kind of like other, I don't want to say disorders, but other disorders that can relate to a main disorder. So sometimes it's hard to figure out which one is affecting which one. A lot of the symptoms and egg situation here. Exactly. And I suffered severe panic disorder when I was 18 years old. Now that I know this, I'm like, of course I did. Of course I did. So I was a very anxious child, like extremely anxious, not neurotic anxious, but like high anxiety. I would get, you know, nauseous and throw up if like I was stressed out, you know, it came from a divorced family. So of course it was all sorts of anxiety inducing issues that happened. So just that alone, I didn't have coping skills in that way. So for a lot of the things that I'm noticing as an adult, a lot of what I've been trying to focus on is like self-forgiveness and understanding. And just having a diagnosis for my son and myself has changed my relationship with my husband. It's changed my relationship with my friends to the point where I just know which friends I can really kind of put in my inner circle and which friends are triggers. You know what I mean? Like there's certain relationships that are really difficult for me to navigate. There are times where I feel socially very awkward and I'm an overshare and an overtalker. So I'll interrupt a conversation because I want people to see me, but at the same time, I'll like go, why did I do that? You know? So there's like a lot looking at me. Yeah. Like, you know, totally. Or like wanting me, I said the wrong thing or I pissed that person off because I'm constantly interrupting, but like, realistically in my head, I'm like, okay, wait, wait, wait. Okay. Now's your turn to speak. I mean, I swear to God, these are real things. Anyone out there that has some of these symptoms is probably going, "Uh uh-huh. Uh-huh. Like it's, it's, and it's so frustrating. You know, I was the kid in class that was constantly yelled at for talking or like talking out of turn. I was a great reader. I struggled in math. I probably had some form of dyscalculia. I can never say that right. Dyscalculia. It's not a word I say often. So it's interesting. But the thing that I love the most though, because I don't want it to be all negative is that I have literally always been this person. I've always been myself. I've never gone through a phase where like, I, I try to like try on different clothes or sizes to see what fits. I'm me and I show up as myself. That has been a burden for most of my life because I am a lot. And I know that I'm not for everyone and I'm okay with that. But now I'm really okay with it because now I know like my personality is not going to work with everyone's, you know, a lot of my friends that I, that I am very close to, I realize have some neurodiversity happening as well. And like when you find your people, I mean, it is funny how you do find your people. It's like Um, magnets, right? So some magnets like can stick together and some magnets repel each other. It's the same thing. Like. It's just those personality traits or quirks that two of them can like pair off nicely and you can be dysfunctional together Yeah, and other will, one will drive the other person crazy and be a trigger. Yes. And I have all of those in my life and that is hard, especially when some are family, right? It's not always easy when you're dealing with completely different brainwaves and that's, and I do feel like for the most part, everyone is operating on some sort of frequency, you know? you can, you can pick apart ADHD. Can I just break it down? Like a little bit of like, yeah, absolutely. Stuff? So us, pro- give us the nerd. I know like, I'm not like deep dive. Nerd this out is, for yeah, us, this is where I get nerdy. This is why I should have done better in school. Cause like, if I'm really like a subject, I will 100% be like, yeah, I'll be like, you know, the foremost opinion on it. So prior to, I think like 95 ADHD was called ADD. They have changed that. It's now called ADHD, which stands for Attention Deficit Hyperactivity Disorder. I hate the term ADHD. I think they need to change it because there is such a wide spectrum that it is almost like, I want to say, and I'm sure there's a doctor out there that will like slap me in the face, but I think a lot of the times when you read articles, they're very much ADHD and autism are very similar in a lot of ways or certain things that present in both like high anxiety, social issues, you know, just like reading people. There's definitely some stuff that kind of is comorbid, but ADHD as it is, is there's three types. There's the attention deficit. There's the hyperactivity. And then there's the combined. So I have combined, like if gravity didn't exist, I would flitter away. Like it's just like, 
know, like, you got the I'm full a, package. Yeah. I'm the full package, which again means it's just really loud a lot of the times in my head. I mean, I am all over the place. And it is actually somewhat fascinating raising a child who's so much who who I identify with so much. I mean, he really, he really is, a, is a mini me. Right. And so, you know, the thing with the misnomer of using a term like ADHD is most of the most of what we're dealing with is emotional and impulse. You know, the executive fun- functioning part is really hard and there are systems you can kind of put into place. I'm terrible at making lists. I mean, if I showed you what my notebook looks like. I basically just write on whatever clean page there is. So when I'm actually looking for the notes, I have to flip through the whole notebook, but it works for me. It's, it's like, it's like messy chaos. That makes sense to me. There's funny things. Like if you do go and follow a couple, there's, it's really interesting. I've, I've followed people who were discovering that they had ADHD on Instagram and they had like, you know, 150 followers. And now they have like 150,000 followers because it's so prevalent. And there's so many people like me that are going, oh my God, I've been living like this for so long. And it's not like it's changed my life and my all of a sudden, you know, I'm a different person. It's just, oh my God, I know what's wrong with me. I mean, like, look, it's the same thing as if you have eczema and you keep itching and you're like, what is going on with me? Why do I have this? Is it psoriasis? What is it? And then when you finally get a diagnosis, you're like, ah, there's a thing and I'm not the only one. And it really, there's something in that. There's something that just that enlightenment for your own benefit is huge. It's, it's a huge thing. So the power and the knowledge, right? Just acknowledging it been like, okay, I can put a container around this now. Yes. And I can, I can learn more about how my brain works and understand, like, I don't, there's certain situations that I won't put myself in because I know better. And like for years I would mask it or I'd be like, yeah, yeah, I'm okay. I'm totally fine. Yeah, it's fine. And I'm like inside, I'm like, oh my God, that's another thing. Impulse control, things fly out of my mouth. But with the, with, with the terminology, they have talked about it being renamed as something called vast, which I actually appreciate. And I think it's called variable attention spectrum something or other, like that's kind of what it is, because it really is, there's so many things that fall underneath it. And 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 again, when you're talking about any type of disorder, it's not about whether or not you do these things, like you're going to have days where your attention's off, and you just are flighty or impulse control, but my everyday looks like that. And that's really how you can kind of diagnose something is the frequency in which these things happen. You know, I have an explosive temper. This was something I didn't realize related back to the fact that I have poor executive functioning and impulse control issues. So like something that might not trigger you or might not trigger anybody could like completely derail me. Or I see my son, you know, trying to do a worksheet and he just gets to the point where he's so anxious. He's now having a tantrum because he doesn't know what to do with those feelings. So as a parent, I am recognizing these feelings that I had as a child and I'm trying to go, listen, it's okay. It's okay to feel like this. It's okay to take a step back and go, I can't do this right now. I can come back to it later, you know, but don't give up on yourself. I mean, the reality is kids with ADHD hear, I think, 10,000 pieces of criticism before the age of 18. So imagine what that does to your self-esteem. And so I am finally, I feel like at 45, I finally have my mojo back. Like, oh my God, you know, I'm going to embrace the weird. I'm going to embrace the fact that I've got this thing. Mm-hmm. I bored everyone I know by talking about it, but they're all like, half of my friends are like, you didn't know? We all knew, like, it wasn't like a, How like, did a you mystery. not know Jess? Yeah. Totally. I'm like, well, I've been joking about it for years. Like, oh, I probably have ADHD. So here's the kicker. ADHD most of the time is genetic. Like somebody, usually a parent, one of your, one of the parents has some form, not always, but there's definitely a family history. Unfortunately, the earlier that you're diagnosed, the better. So for all of these people that are figuring this out late in life, a diagnosis, you know, depending on the doctor, you're not going to get a clear diagnosis because you already have life experience. So like, are you again, chicken or egg? Are you anxious and, and forgetful because of ADHD? Or are you anxious and forgetful because of other stimuli in your life? So it's very difficult. But what most doctors do is like pick it apart, right? There's tons of tons of tests. 
you look like okay. you have something interesting. Because we as adults have set in place coping mechanisms that have right. either been crutches for us to yes. accommodate, you know, certain things about our lives that kind of make up the gap or, you know, support us in, in areas. So yeah, it's kind of hard to sift through right. some of that because they're not looking at a clean slate. They're not being yeah, like, exactly. Imp- You've already got like now we're adding in a little juice. We're adding right. in a little wine, we're adding in a little, like, it's like this cocktail we yeah. as people are cocktails and as we age, we just pour a little bit more of this and a little bit more of that. So it's not a like clear picture as to what's going on here. Exactly. Exactly. So for a lot of people, you know, it's not even about getting an actual diagnosis. It's about recognizing like, oh yeah, this, this, this is a thing. This is definitely a thing for me. And, mm-hmm. you know, some People are depending. I live in California, so of course, you know, I, I there's a lot of different types of. I, well, I live in Los Angeles, so there's tons of psychiatrists here. You so the there are definitely support, people yeah. to talk to about it. But like from psychiatrists, they're like, "Look, I'm talking to you. I know the issues with your child. I'm going to go out on a limb. Yes, you probably do have ADHD. Can I give you a clear diagnosis?" Not really, you know, you can take as many tests as you want, but you're 45. And so of course your life experiences are going to color who you are now, but how it also relates in, in finding out later is I'm looking at hormonal changes, right? And there's a huge, I mean, I look at who I was as a teenager, which was this angsty, rageful, you want to fight defensive, obstinate human being. I am still that person, (laughs) but lovely, but as I'm, you know, pre, oh God, I can't even say the word, but like pre-menopausal, like all of a sudden there's all of these hormone shifts that feel very similar to Dear that pre-teenage, you know, just all of the things. And so a lot of these symptoms are exacerbated, like forgetfulness, you know, flightiness, you know, like the other thing that I have found my whole life is I'm very easily depleted. Like, I can be the life of the party, the loudest person in the room, bring the noise. And then I need to go retreat and hide for two. Yeah. And the depression will hit and the anxiety will hit. And that is like it. There's a lot of comorbidity. I'm just going to keep using that word. So everyone's really aware of what it means with bipolar and borderline personality disorder. So if you, there's this great Venn diagram out there and I can send it to you. So if you wanted to. We can throw it in the show notes. Yeah. It shows how many symptoms overlap. So even as you're navigating, like I always knew I suffered from depression and anxiety. I probably had my first bouts when I was about 12. Had I known that this was part of my makeup, I probably would have, it would have been handled differently, but instead it was just like, oh, it's hormonal. Oh, she's a teenager. Oh, she's depressed. But like teenagers really shouldn't be depressed in the same way that adults are. And I would like hit like these cocoon moments when I was a teenager. I see these things with my son, like this overwhelming anxiety and sadness where he just gets in his head that like everyone hates him. I'm like, what are you, what happened today? He's like, oh, well, so-and-so, you know, moved when I sat down and I'm like, oh my God, let's really dissect this. And half the time it's like, they were done with lunch. You know, it's like something so silly, you know, I'm going to touch on something which is also in line with the the self-esteem and hearing the 10,000 pieces of criticism before the age of, I actually think it's before the age of 12. I should have researched this before I got on the call, but I think it's something ridiculous like that. And I very much remember that. And it could be as slight as why would you do that? What's wrong with you? You know, these are things I have said to my own child that have flown out of my mouth. My mother committed suicide when I was 24. For the longest time growing up with her, there were there was erratic behavior that I always attributed to depression, anxiety. And then of course. I thought maybe there was some borderline personality disorder stuff because there's a lot of stuff that pops up in there. My father, who was divorced from her, actually said he thought it was bipolar disorder. And I said, yes, but she never had the high highs, right? She never hit that manic phase. It was always like coast, 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 drop, right? Or here, 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 then here, then drop, which is very much mirrors how how I feel. And so once I kind of discovered this about myself, all of a sudden, it also made it very clear that my mother had been struggling with this probably for her whole entire life as well. 
but she being, she would have been 80 this year. This was not even a thought. Like they didn't know what this was. And when you look back at all of her life and all of her interactions with her friends, it all comes down to executive functioning, impulse control, emotional dysregulation, like all of these things that are, that pop up for like what ADHD, the, the foundation really is. And, you know, it made sense for why I always felt like I understood her too. And I felt very close with my mom, even though we had a very volatile relationship, because clearly, clearly there's a lot of fire happening all the time. And the way that I kind of explain ADHD is we're just extra, like we're extra. And it's, you know, we're the, the kind of people that I've even encountered that have ADHD or symptoms like me, super smart, super capable, but constantly questioning themselves, constantly feeling like we're not doing enough. And, you know, really, really hard, like a really hard weight to carry around because there's this negativity that you impose on yourself on top of it. Mm-hmm. You know, I always wanted to know, like, how come this person's pot? Like, this is, this is literally where my head goes when I start like ruminating on things. Yeah. Let us well, inside why, the head. Yeah. Right. Well, why was this person popular in eighth grade? Why was this person, you know, everyone likes this person. Why is, why is this person able to be motivated and successful, even though I know I'm smarter than them? Like all of these things, things would be like pop up in my head. And it's like, oh, because they're wired this way. I'm wired this other way. And this way is a lot like this person's a lot easier to get along with. They are calm. They are collected. They are able to sit down and complete a worksheet while I'm asking questions and I'm argumentative and I have to get up to pee 50 times. I mean, there's just these things where just being in my body is going to make me like, I am just clearly wired in a completely different way than you are. You know, I've thought about doing a podcast for years. God forbid if I actually get one off the ground. Yes. The wiring is different. And that other person's wiring is more appealing to society is really what it is. And and society has been developed in a way that acknowledges and supports and applauses. And the word is escaping me, but like says, yes, your wiring is, is the good way to wire. Acceptable, acceptable. Right. And the other wiring, because it goes against the system, it goes against the box. It goes against, it's seemed as the wild card is not by society because society has been built on these predetermined by a group of people of what is right and what is wrong. Right. How to behave and how not to behave. And so, yes, that has a lot to do with it too, is the system. A hundred percent, which is why when we found this out during school with my child, Mm -hmm. he is now in a private school. You know, public education, unfortunately, is very much a one size fits all. So if you're extremely bright, or if you're struggling, you are, for want of a better term, ignored, you're an outlier, outlier. they're going to focus on the kids who are right in the middle, who are able to do what they've been asked, who don't put up a fight, who are successful in just being socially acceptable. And able to condition and able to condition. And that was created because that's how our workforce came to be. I mean, there's, but then you look at all these outside thinkers, like people with ADHD are entrepreneurs, they're creatives, they are doers, they get hyper. I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be shocked if you told me that one of the Wright brothers had ADHD, because God knows, they all inventors, inventors probably are all that, like the people who we credit for the progression of our society and our world and our technologies are all from that camp. Yes. However, they were applauded for it, because the outcome of it, or what they were able to produce was countered you know, any problem that they might've been able to like, right. Blow up, but they had right? to do all of these things outside of the Side, system. Exactly. Outside of the system. They were seen and as the wild cards, the robes, yes. the crazy people, yes. eccentrics. Sometimes it worked. Sometimes it didn't. Right. Yeah. You've got tons of people that have probably failed miserably. And let me tell you, failure for me and my son, if I fail at something, I quit. I'm not going to lie. I quit. I'm like, I'm not good at it. Don't want to do it. If I'm not the best at it, then why am I even bothering? And I and I see that with my kid, and I'm like, God damn, you gotta 
no, you got to push through that. You'll get it. You know, like he, we were at the park one day and there was this little girl just doing the monkey bars. She's probably like five years old. She kept falling. She got back up. She would try it again. My son had been struggling to do the same thing for weeks. And I'm like, do you see what she's doing? Every time she falls, she just gets back up. It doesn't even affect her. She's like, I I got this. I'm going to, I'm going to finally get across. And for whatever reason that triggered him to go, Oh, and so he started doing it. And the the minute he was successful, it was like, it was a bigger success than anything he had ever accomplished because all of a sudden it's like, oh, I get it. Like you fail, you try again. Now, does that mean that 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 lesson was imprinted in his brain? Absolutely not. We're going to, he's going to, you're going to have to remind him of the monkey bar story over and over. But now you have an example for him to be like, hey, remember the monkey bars? Yeah. And like, yeah. like he was, he was one of the first kids to ride a bike. And I'm like, it's funny when you click, when something clicks with you, you have no problem. You know, the one thing about ADHD, I will say that I have noticed is there is, you know, even when I'm following all these people on Instagram, like the one thing we're all very youthful, we're all very immature, but extremely emotionally intelligent. You know, I'm again, I'm 45. My kid even tells me I act like a teenager. I do. I totally act like a teenager. My son is nine. He can have a full-blown conversation with an adult about a very interesting topic, including sometimes politics, which I tell him to not talk about, but he will also have a tantrum an hour later. So you're like, wait a second, this kid's super smart, super mature, but he's also very much an immature child. So that is in the body of a nine-year-old with a mind of, you know, a four-year-old, but that can emotional conditioning of a toddler. Right. Which is really difficult. And I was like that for most of my life. And I think those types of things where you start to really see that and you go, okay, I see the problem. I mean, I own my own company. I'm a music supervisor. I have worked for other small companies. And quite frankly, I work better for myself. I show up for myself. I have less angst. I don't, you know, second guess everything. When I have worked in other companies, I, I thrive until I don't. And once I don't, my whole being shuts off. And that is not conducive to a successful corporate. <laughs> you know it's not I mean? very like, conducive to being an employee, let me tell you. Exactly. Yeah. It's not, you know, and I'm a wonderful employee, but like it's under it's the a right diff- conditions. <laughs> under the right conditions. Exactly. Under the right conditions. Like it's it it can become very emotional for me. And I always laugh when people are like, you know, you can't make your work life emotional. It's like, I spend eight hours a day there. It's emotional, you know? So don't take it personally. How can I not? And everything for me is personal. Everything. Yeah. That that's, that's the thing is like when you're in that professional workspace and you're in, you know, the reviews and the critiques and whatever, especially in a creative field, like you and I work in, in the yeah. advertising industry, yeah. you are judged on everything. And when people say, don't take it personally, I'm like, that is my work. That is like, I poured my blood, sweat and tears into that. How can you tell me not to take it personally? Right. right. Yeah. Got it. Yeah. It's hard. And, you know, back to like the, the, the negative aspects of it, because I do just want to touch on that whole criticism, self-esteem and you know, the suicidal aspect to it. One of my biggest fears is that impulse control and depression can really pull the rug out from under some people. And I, I know that they're slowly doing some sort of like studies and or comparisons. They probably won't be like medically approved, but just what's the rate of suicide with people with ADHD and depression, you know, because it's high. You know, there's definitely, I think what, what will slowly be found out is how much of that negativity impacts your daily life. And, you know, unfortunately, when you're dealing with somebody with impulse control issues, it's a very trigger, like you can be upset about something and make a terrible decision, you know? And I think that as a parent who is dealing with a child with ADHD, I, I talk to him about feelings. I talk to him about when he is flooded. We use that word a lot. You flooded. It's like, basically you're feeling all the feelings. The other day, he, he had like a 30 minute period where he was having a tantrum, crying, had a full-blown anxiety attack. Then he was hysterically laughing and bouncing around. And like, my husband was like, what the hell is going on? I'm like, I got this. I do this sometimes. I just contain it now. But like, you know, and you learn how to mask your behaviors. 
Like there are times where my son will be with my dad and he's on his best behavior. And the minute he comes home, the wheels fall off. It's like, I can be myself. And he'll even say things like I was holding it in all day. And I'm like, I get it. I get it. And there are times he's going to have to assimilate to what society wants from him. The wonderful thing is we do now have him in a school, which I wish I had gone to the school because I had a very, you know, like I was up and down in school. Sometimes I did really well. Sometimes I didn't do so well. And like had somebody noticed and gone, this child seems to have a very inconsistent (laughs) behavior when it comes to schoolwork. Somebody might have noticed and said, hey, but I just floated along. So it wasn't an issue with my son. I knew he was never going to thrive in public school at least the one that he was in. I shouldn't, you know, I'm not going to disparage public school as a whole, but it works for some kids. Unfortunately, the kids it doesn't work for, it's detrimental. I mean, had we kept him there, he had his light turned off by a teacher. He had just given up on himself and he was only in first grade. And that is unacceptable. And once we've moved into another school, even though he still has issues doing schoolwork at times, they see him for who he is because he'll get up and talk to the class about a subject that he's really interested in. He reads, his reading comprehension is amazing, but yet you ask him to write something and he will like hard pass no. So he'll just sit there and not do it. You know, that's really frustrating to me as a parent and as a teacher, but I also know he's capable and he's not being graded on the fact that he didn't write a sentence when the teacher knows that he's done all the other things. So yeah. these are the things that you can, you know, you have, you as a parent, as a teacher, as a, as myself, I have to make my own accommodations. Like the days that I'm really on fire with work, I got to sit in that seat and I got to get it all done. The days where I'm not, I have to have a lot of self-forgiveness because that's really one of the things that I've learned through this. It's okay. It's okay to have those days. What's not okay is how I punish myself for it. You know? So I want to touch back on something that you said earlier. You said, well, this, this diagnosis hasn't been life-changing. I want to, I want to challenge you on that. I would pretty say that this diagnosis for you actually has oh, been Did I say that? No, it's life-changing. No, okay. I, oh, yeah, no, it's, I, I don't know. I don't, you know what? It may have flown out of my mouth before I had a chance to edit that. No, it's life-changing. Like it's beyond life-changing. It's, it's, as I said, it's like my favorite subject to talk about because I'm like, guess what guys, I know what's wrong with me. This is all the thing that's wrong with me. And you're, and you love me anyway, you know, but it's, but it's also allowed me to pull away when I need to, you know, there are times where I can feel myself going down a dark path where I have to retreat. And I also have to have self-forgiveness that and also knowing that certain situations are going to be a trigger for me and I don't want to put myself in those situations anymore there I can't I need to set myself up for success mm-hmm. had I known these things 20 years ago I would have made different choices along the way you know yeah, sure. yeah. what would you say are the areas of your life that this self-awareness now has impacted you most most positively my family, my family, my relationship with my husband, my marriage has completely shifted because things that I think he thought I was doing disrespectfully, like, or defiantly, yeah. or defiantly, like not, you know, he, he's got this funny thing where water and sinks drive him crazy. I can tell you nine out of 10 times I wipe it down, but the one time I forget, or the one time I don't, He'll point it out and get in a fight with me about it. He stopped doing that. I know it still drives him nuts, but he kind of realizes I'm not doing it to piss him off. I really just forgot. Or the amount of times I'm like, where's my phone? Where's my phone? I mean, we found my phone in the pantry, in the closet, in the fridge. You know, these are things that I do daily. It just doesn't annoy him the same way. We've also been together for 20 years and it's taken us this long to kind of realize that we both have different triggers and anxiety issues around certain things, but also how I relate to my son. And I think, you know, the pandemic was really hard on everybody, like really everyone went through ups and downs and, you know, some people survived it. Some people didn't, some people got divorced. Some people didn't. I mean, it was true definition of a roller coaster. Yeah, it was tough. And a lot of my friends who had families were, you know, they were, they were in it because they're trying to do this zoom school. Well, my 
child got accepted to this private school and he ended up getting accepted at a year below what they didn't have room for him in second grade. So they're like, you know, you, you said you would, you might be interested in first. And I go, okay, great. So we had accepted that spot a week before we went into lockdown. So the minute that we were in lockdown down, the, the, the public school wasn't doing anything. So I just, I just pulled him. I'm like, I'm not going to have him sit on a computer once a week for 30 minutes and have him have a tantrum for, for no reason. He's not learning anything. Mm-hmm. And so during that time, him and I spent one-on-one every day. Cause my husband was working, I was freelancing and I just, it, my business, <laughs> basically the ad advertising industry just went, what? So that wasn't happening. And we worked on emotional, like naming your feelings. Like we named his little impulsive kind of like, we're not quite sure if it's a good character or a bad character. Cause he can turn like that. His name's Mr. Potato. So anytime I can see that kind of personality profile show up when in him, I go, Mm-mm, Mr. Potato is not invited to the party. He always ruins the good time. And so we started having this language and we started like, like the more I worked with him, the more I saw similar similarities in myself. And I started putting things in terms of this would have helped me. So him and I are very close now. I mean, we, you know, he still would rather be with his dad all the time, but like, <laughs> I'm his person. I get him. And he, that time was invaluable. I mean, it was like, I I couldn't have asked for a better pause to really reassess who he was, learn more about myself and really work with him so that he's, he knows he's safe. I think a lot of, I think a lot of the fears with people that grew up with ADHD, but didn't realize that that's what they were dealing with. There was this feeling of like, what's a, what's a, I don't want to say danger, but like unsafety, <laughs> like you didn't secure. feel safe. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> That's yeah. the word. That's the word. There was no security. There was no security. And because a lot of us are very inconsistent with the way that we work, teachers didn't understand that. So I was constantly, my parents were constantly in, 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 in conferences where it's like, she had so much potential if she just buckled down and it's like, yeah, but the buckling down parts, the buckling part I don't get big problem part, <laughs> right. That's the part I can't do, you know? And I remember like, you know, saying to my mom, I'm an avid reader. I always have been. And I remember saying to my mom, cause I kept getting like marked off for not doing book reports. And I'm like, oh, you know, I read it. The teacher knows I read it. Why do I have to write a book report on it? Because just sitting down to write it like took so much brain power. You're like, I'll give you a speech. I'll tell you all about the book. Exactly. And there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with being that kind of person. You know, can you imagine if there was choices like everyone's reading this book and you have the choice as your assignment, you either need to write a book report or you need to get in front of the class and And give give a a speech. Right, right, exactly. Or, or a diorama. Do you remember those? Or build like you had to yes. creatively represent the knowledge you took away from this book. How right. you do that is your choice. Right, right. And so that's what you get, unfortunately, when you're in private schools or have tutors. It's more of like project based stuff like that. But in public school, they want they need something. Everyone to needs to grade everyone the same way. Yeah, right. Exactly. So it's very, it's very interesting about like just learning the discrepancies in education too. Like why kids like this, who, and and by the way, yes, ADHD is common. They're finally realizing it's not that uncommon. Just like being a type A personality is common, right? It's like, of course we have different ways of thinking. I think one of the biggest, you know, light bulb moments for me was I remember feeling like I can't possibly be the only one that sees the world this way. I can't possibly be the only one that views things with this lens on. And then all of a sudden, once I started discovering that I wasn't the only one, it was like my heart filled up. You know what I mean? It felt, I felt secure. Oh my goodness. I am capable. I am a whole person. I'm not that weird because there's other people that feel Safe, safety in numbers, safety in safety numbers. In there's a wonderful woman. If anybody is listening and is just kind of, you know, exploring this or, or having some epiphanies about some of these things that, that might've been affecting them their whole lives. There's some great people to follow on Instagram. My handle is at uh, just me and ADHD. So if you follow everyone I'm following, you're good to go. But there's this wonderful woman who is actually a psychiatrist or 
is she a psychiatrist or psychologist, but her handle is the psych doctor and her content is amazing, but she also suffers from ADHD and, you know, she went to medical school. Just that alone is so difficult. Yeah. So inspiring. But not only that, she's, you know, she was realizing she can do the schoolwork. She's smart, but like all of these other emotional aspects to it are things that can hold people down, you know? So it's weird. Oh my gosh, Jess, this conversation was amazing. Don't worry. It wasn't all over the map. It felt very streamlined. Okay. <laughs> I'm like, did I say all the things I yeah. wanted to say? So last couple questions. Well, last question. And now what? So we're, like, what's going on with you and your son? Well, I started my own company. Good. Because I had a, I had a complete like aha moment of, again, like, why do I keep doing the same thing for other people when what I really enjoy is the work and the projects and like putting myself out there. And because I've always felt really insecure, like, oh my God, someone's going to judge me for like doing the podcast or putting myself out there or promoting myself. I just had to let go of that and go, oh, screw it. doesn't matter. Nobody really cares. Nobody's judging me for like putting out content or talking about my work or, you know, me equating my self-worth with what other people think of me. So I've really let go of that. My son is thriving. He and I are both similar in this way. Like my husband calls it the hockey stick. So basically like, you know, no progress, no progress, no progress. And so with reading, he was really struggling. He didn't want to do it for so long. He's finished three books in the past two months on his own because he found something that interests him, right? So for any parents out there that are struggling, just know that your child, they're going to go through phases. They're on their own path. They're not going to mirror other children's paths. And I think that's what's so dangerous is we have in our head, Every child should read fluently by the time they're eight. That they don't even teach reading in Denmark until they're seven. So, like for that, like the way that our both countries work with our education systems, it's not going to work for every child. And be patient. So, like with my child, I've learned to like sit back, know he's going to get there, but it might not be on the same timeline as another child, and that's okay. Yeah. No. And same as an adult, you know, I'm on a different path and that's okay. I've had major success in my career and major disappointment and that's normal. I let the disappointment derail me for a few years. And that's where, you know, my mindset has changed going, all right, doing it for myself. Let's see what happens. Love it. Awesome. All right. So where do you like to hang out? I'm assuming Instagram, that handle that you shared. What is that one again? It is just me and ADHD. Um, I do hang out on Instagram. I'm also been hosting a radio show on AMP cool. just to play music. So if any music lovers are out there, but yeah, I'm really an Instagrammer. I don't really hang out on any other platforms. <laughs> Too many social media platforms too not many, good for anyone with ADHD, right? The, the totally. TikTok, this, yeah. Okay, awesome. All right. Well, if you want to find Jess, that's where she is. Thank you so much for coming on the show and just Thank openly sharing me. so much about your experience for you and your son and your journey. I wish you both the best of luck and success. We'll, we'll be following each other for sure some more. I so everybody, if this episode resonated for you, please, please, please give it a like, a share, a comment, reach out to me or Jess. And, and tell us. And if you know somebody who is experiencing something similar, please share this episode with them. It could very well be the thing that helps them figure out their very own. Now what? All right. That's it from us. We will see you next week for another, another episode. Bye guys. Thank you so much for listening. I appreciate it more than I can say. Did you love this episode of I just blank? Now what? If you did, be sure to subscribe on your fave podcast platform. And if you're on Apple Podcasts, please leave a review. I do love reading them. And if you know somebody who's experiencing this story or something similar, please share this episode with them. It just might help them figure out the answers to their own now what questions. Have you recently had a now what moment and aren't sure what to do? Reach out to me at jessicastevens.ca and submit your story and I'll help you figure out what to do how to move forward and help you answer now what see you on the next episode